0: This week, Daniel Ricardo forgets what he farms but remembers how to drive. Davide Valsecchi is hopeful for a mega Italian summer of F1 but fears for Ferrari season. And Rosanna Tennant takes on an impossibly rigged challenge. The good news for her, it's rigged against me. And now from kitchen tables, studies and gardens around the world, this is F1 Nation. Yes, it is. And
1: our weeks wouldn't be the same without our Formula One chats with you guys, the listeners of F1 Nation. Thanks for joining us. My name's Tom Clarkson. And my name's Alex Jakes. And we have one hell of a show coming your way this week. But first, as ever, we're going to discuss our highlights. And AJ, what's been the
0: highlight of your week? Hello, TC. Hello, everyone. This week, we start with a bit of betrayal for Antonio Giovinazzi. Formula One asked the drivers to play a little game of word association. The word was friend, and listen what happened. Pierre Gasly. Charles. Uh, Pierre Gasly. Probably a good thing the drivers aren't going to have driver's parade on the back of the truck because I'm not sure they'll be standing together. That one's going to get frosty. (laughs) Let's have a highlight from you, Tom. Well, for me, first up,
1: it's just seeing Charles Leclerc driving through Maranello at dawn on Wednesday morning in this year's SF1000. Just what a scene. I've looked at some video footage, AJ, and it's just great. He really goes for it. I think he, he comes out through the gates of the factory. He goes past the museum on his way down to do some testing at Fiorano. And that must be such a magical moment for a driver. I mean, drivers will tell you that just arriving in Maranello as a Ferrari driver is a phenomenal thing. To drive through Maranello in a Formula One car must be something else. And it just proves to us what they think of Charles Leclerc. He's right there on the highest of pedestals, isn't he?
0: He certainly is. And I think he's getting a little bit of revenge as well, because he's spoken to me before about being woken up by the Monaco Grand Prix when he was growing up in the principality. So I think he was getting even. What's your Uh, other highlight? I've been watching a lot of the late Anthony Bourdain's travel show. He did a terrific travel show, which which is currently on Netflix. And I think I've used it as my replacement for the fact that we've not been able to travel. And we're very privileged to do this job, aren't we, TC? You're always able to see new places. You're always able to see more of the world. To go to a metropolis like Mexico City and to discover that for the first time, uh, like I did a couple of years ago, just it, it stays with you. And you have experiences that, you know, I've maybe been dwelling about Uh, during lockdown so it's been nice to sort of get a replacement fix with with that program I think you never lose the travel bug
1: do you and I was so looking forward to going to Vietnam this year let's hope uh, that that comes back on the cards uh, later on in the year I've got one other highlight for you Alex go on that is um it's a bit of a blast from the past for me because I was looking at Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris driving Carlin's Formula 3 cars at a wet Silverstone earlier this week because, of course, McLaren aren't able to use any uh, a two-year-old Formula One car because Renault are not making any engines available to them. And so they've had to make do with Formula Three. And it just reminded me of 1996 when I was Autosport's Formula Three correspondent, a wet Silverstone, you know, standing under a brolly somewhere and, and just watching cars testing, pounding round in the wet. And it's just a bit surreal to think that that is two current Formula One drivers doing that, not guys <laughs> on their way up, like Ralph Furman, as it was back then, or Juan Pablo. Montoya so uh, yeah that's been a bit of a highlight just uh reminded me of too long ago
0: of the early days
1: so that's Formula 3 and let's kick off now with one of our heavyweight guests this week who is a former British Formula 3 champion himself but he's now one of the top dogs in Formula 1 seven-time Grand Prix winner it's great to have him on the show Daniel Ricciardo
2: how are you well good day <laughs> I'm splendid mate I'm great back in back in europe but i'm very well i feel uh revitalized after a, a bit of a break how was life down on the farm you know just outside perth isn't it yeah mate it's, it's uh in uh, in west australia there and it was good the first few days out there it's like i'm not gonna lie i'm not a born farmer like i'm not i'm not like this rough and tough like not scared of anything kind of aussie bloke like so you know, first few days I'm like worried about snakes and spiders and things like this, checking my bed sheets. But after after a while, it's just you walk everywhere like barefoot, and I, I loved it. I've always loved the outdoors, but yeah, to have like I think we we didn't leave the farm for a period of like six weeks, you know, like without leaving the actual farm, and it was uh, it was really nice.
1: That sounds amazing. And now we saw on your Instagram you driving stuff, but what do you actually farm? what what actually goes on apart from one big playground
2: well that so it was originally purchased to be just that a playground it was uh <laughs> it was something that i i could really just i don't know have kind of no rules on um and you know no noise complaints or anything we got like cattle and, and some sheep and a few other animals here and there um And then we're doing some like vineyards, so we'll eventually do like just some wine and things like that. Um, But more, again, more Uh, hobby related. I don't know. You, I'll have to ask the caretaker what uh, what we farm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, you've had a jolt back to Formula One reality. Honey,
2: we do um, uh, honey as well. So we got like natural uh, beehives or like yeah, that's what they're called. But yeah, Yeah, so so we got farm honey. It's it's good.
1: <laughs> and and you know let's not forget you are the the honey badger right There you go <laughs> there you go you beat me to it Dan you've had a jolt back to formula 1 reality this week though, haven't you It's been what 110 days since the last day of pre-season testing and bam you're back in the car in, in at the Red Bull
2: Ring just how was it Yeah it's, it was firstly good like good to get back into it like the first few laps yeah like you feel it felt a little foreign but I guess it's also like all things. Like when you've been doing something pretty much your whole life, it doesn't take long till you, you you remember the feeling, and it all feels very normal very quickly. But certainly, like getting in the first time, leaving the pits, and that yeah, the first few laps felt a little strange. But I, uh, you know, I'm I'm really glad we got to do it because I think just yeah, like you know, shaking off the cobwebs, even like you know your general kind of body soreness that you get after you know the first day. I, I feel like I've gone through that now, so. But yeah, it was just good to kind of get back into work mode. I think like as much as quarantine was nice on the farm and all that, I, I did miss like serious competition and serious work. So, hey, And how good was the RS-18? Was it better than last year's? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you whisper. <laughs> so no, it, it wasn't It wasn't as, as uh, good. So there, there were improvements last year. But obviously we did get to drive the RS-20, uh, obviously in, in testing before all this pandemic started. It's come a long way in two years, I'll say that. It actually was quite nice driving a two-year-old car because it shows you the progress the sport makes.
0: Daniel, how different was the working practice down in the pits given all the safety measures? How different was it at ground level?
2: Certainly different. So our, our like um, debriefs and all our meetings were happening as as we're doing now over like video calls. So we're all sitting most of us were sitting kind of in the same area but at, at distance so we're all basically doing our, our debrief through through video meetings everyone's kind of got the, the mask on in the garage and you know the mechanic who straps you in I told him not to get too close to me uh, but uh, <laughs> normally that's <laughs> it's pretty intimate when they start strapping you in. you know you you've crotch straps and all that but uh but no, it was, I mean, everyone's getting on with it. I think there's just a little bit more awareness of, like, personal space. But otherwise, like all things, really, whenever there's a change, it takes a bit of time to adapt. But then in due time, we all do adapt. So it's, uh, it was okay.
0: So after your run this week, are you expecting chaos at the first race? There's been a little bit of speculation that it could be a bit of a wild start to the Formula One season. After your run in the car, do you think those who don't have a run for that number of laps will be a little bit race-rusty?
2: Yeah, especially after all the banana pills I threw on, on the apex of the corner. So <laughs> I, I think obviously like we're gonna get plenty of practice and, and obviously the race weekend will go as as normal. So we're gonna get plenty of seat time or before race day. Uh, but yeah, I mean the lights are gonna go out and for sure we're all gonna be trying to show everyone that, oh yeah, I, I trained harder in my quarantine or I, I'm less rusty than you are, or you know, I'm sure I'm sure some driver egos or whatever will get in the way. But um, we'll see. Uh, everyone will be really cautious, like, oh, this feels foreign. But uh, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty exciting. And I think as well, we, we don't yet really know how many races we're going to get this year. So you're probably going to get the mentality of, well, let's just make this one count.
0: Where do you expect to be in the pecking order? Do you expect to be leading that
2: midfield group? I certainly expect to be close. I mean, judging all we've got now is testing you know, back in February and we kind of had our analysis after the testing and try to figure out where everyone stands. And uh, all I can say is like the lead midfield car, it was really hard to kind of figure it out if it was us or not. But uh, it looked like I would say three, at least three of our kind of midfield teams were all within a 10th. So I think, yeah, Austria for us last year was certainly our, maybe our worst actual weekend of the year. So it's. I think if we could come out there and and be, be at the front of the midfield, I think that looks good for us. You know, for the for the rest of the the season. But um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to predict, to be honest, mate.
1: <laughs> Dan, just before we lose you, can we throw it a little bit further ahead? Sure. And just
2: look at twenty twenty one. And yeah, go on. Why <laughs> McLaren? You don't really have to ask any. You just <laughs> as, as simple as that. Why McLaren? So look, obviously, the the reality is you get. You get pitches from you know whichever team is talking to you, and uh, to some extent, especially now, without having any races and any kind of proof other than last year, you kind of have to believe. It's kind of what what pitch do you I don't maybe even believe is too much, but yeah, what pitch excites you more than the other? You're going with obviously what you what you feel and think at the time. Who knows? But obviously, like, look, if I go back to last year, like last year is our, our best reference for now they were the team that made the most noise you know Mercedes won the championship again but it was quite clear probably the most that McLaren was the team which made the biggest step you know out of all and uh, so that was that was obviously encouraging for them and then that's really all you can kind of base it off and then they the pitch for the future obviously they're switching switching uh, power units and all that so yeah there's a bit I guess which they're excited about for now even now like talking about it it's certainly tough because it wasn't by no means like an easy decision as as you can imagine and, and not having really much to gauge from twenty twenty. That was pretty pretty difficult. You jumped pretty early.
1: Why why did you go so early when it could have waited a couple of months and you could have seen a couple of races and checked out the pecking order.
2: I think obviously Vettel's announcement or news with with Ferrari kind of sparked everything. And then things were moving pretty quickly, obviously around Carlos and, and all the other stuff. So I don't think there was although it seemed like maybe there was still time, I, I don't actually think there was to make movement if, if that was what you were kind of going for. If we start racing, this is all just obviously what I'm playing in my head, but if you start racing in July, which even then wasn't 100%, but say we did, which we are by the looks of it, <laughs> you know, you've then got a few races, you know, you're not going to find out in the first race or second race. So you're probably going to wait till August, maybe even September till you really know where everyone's at. And then by then, I think it's it, it felt like it was going to be too late to really get to get something you you were after. What was the deciding factor? For oh, time will tell. <laughs> time will tell. I'll, I'll be honest, there wasn't there wasn't one deciding factor. Yeah, it, it was certainly like different to obviously the the Red Bull situation as far as like. You know, I feel like Red Bull it had just like ran its course for me personally. Like I'd been there a long time, and I. would you know, we tried and tried and um, we won races, but not the championship. So then it was like, okay, I just, I just need a change. But yeah, this one, um, I wouldn't say was as clear. I think as far as like, yes, we didn't achieve what we wanted last year, but equally, yeah, I wasn't expecting to win last year. So l- I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of, let's say by no means an easy one and time will tell. <laughs>
1: Well, look, best of luck. One thing we do know is that Lando Norris is going to be a teammate. We've seen you and him having a laugh in a few press conferences. When push comes to shove on the racetrack, what are you expecting from him in the sister car?
2: I mean, hopefully a lot in terms of, you know, I obviously felt that with, with Max uh, at Red Bull. You know, it was like you, I, I feel like we both lifted each other by pushing each other and kind of being the competitors that, that we are. And, you know, I, I would obviously love that and expect that from Lando. And I say I expect it because, you know, he, he had a really strong rookie year. I'm pretty sure he outqualified Carlos. I think that was quite a statement for his rookie year. So I expect him to be to be there. And I think we're both pretty easy going, you know, once the helmet's off. And I think uh, people will probably have a bit of fun with that. But I'm sure you, you're going to see some some uh, good competition. And say, same with Ocon this year. You know, I've still got, obviously this year with with him and i haven't raced you know him as a teammate yet but same kind of deal i'm, I'm actually really excited to have these kind of young little ankle biters coming at me um but uh, i'm excited to see how he goes i mean we we say rusty you know he, he's the most rusty having all last year off as well so i i know he's chomping at the bit to get going you're 10 years older than lando norris thanks for that tom uh <laughs> i actually didn't know that i didn't know that I remember I remember with Max, I think there was like seven years difference or something. And I was like, "Whoa, that's a lot. I'm, I'm only getting older and they're only getting younger.
0: <laughs> well, really appreciate Daniel Ricciardo's time so close to the start of the 2020 Formula One season. And I always get the feeling, heard it a lot from Max, heard it again from Daniel Ricciardo there. They felt they pushed each other to a better level of driving. Uh, And I think they both missed that. So I think it was really interesting when he was speaking about Lando Norris, that he's identified that Lando needs to do his best impression of Max in order to drive Daniel Ricciardo's level forward and drive McLaren's level forward. Yeah, fascinating.
1: And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I love too the fact that he mentioned that Lando out Carlos Sainz mm. last year at yes. McLaren. Was that a subliminal message to Ferrari saying, you've picked the slower guy? I don't know what he's thinking, but the fact he did say it, um, you know, and also, why did you go to McLaren, Daniel? And he's obviously uh, got some very clear reasons as to why he's going. And yet he doesn't want to share them with us, does he? Not at this stage, not at this stage. <laughs> He's probably thinking what a lot of people are thinking, which is that the new regulations in Formula One are coming towards a team like McLaren. That is, to me, the benchmark now. McLaren are the benchmark as to what a modern Formula One team is going to be like going forward.
0: Coming up, we've got Rosanna Tennant facing another super tough challenge. In a minute, Davide Valsecki will be joining us. But first, it's time for the admin. Here we go, TC, with your notices for the week. The F1 Rewind is Austria 2016, and it's a race that I always like to look back on. Mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that I was watching at the bottom of the hill in the infield section, and do you know who I was listening to on the F1 app, Tom Clarkson? No idea. Tell me, AJ. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to play it for you. This is the last lap of that Grand Prix.
1: And they're both running side to side as they come down to turn two. Hamilton is round the outside. Rosberg is pushing him wide. Contact at turn two. Rosberg pushes him wide. There's now a bit of bodywork flying down the outside. And Rosberg's front wing is damaged. It's shedding carbon fibre shards all down the racetrack.
0: That was a cracking
1: race, wasn't it? Amazing race. And... um I just loved every minute of it. I was at lead comms with Alan McNish and just what a race to have. You know, I was a bit nervous, hadn't been lead comms before for the Beeb. And so I was praying that we wouldn't have boring race with one pit stop and no overtaking. And we certainly didn't get that.
0: And um, yeah, that's one for the history books, isn't it? You can relive it in full this Saturday. Well, from one big character to another, we're delighted to welcome the 2012 GP2 champion, Sky F1 analyst, and the loudest commentator since Murray Walker. Hello, and welcome to F1 Nation, Davide Valsecchi. Ciao, Alex. Ciao,
3: guys. Uh, happy to be here.
0: Well, first of all, we can see via Zoom that it's a it's a glorious day where you are in northern Italy. Uh, how has lockdown been for you?
3: It's been it's been fine. Eh? Uh, to be honest, it's been very good. First of all, because I have a uh, a very good news in my family, because we are waiting a baby. Oh, amazing.
0: Davide, congratulations, Fantastic. my friend. Yeah, That's great. congratulations.
3: News. Thank you, guys. A little Vaseki. And second, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I live in, in the countryside, so uh, we have garden close to where I live. There is, uh, there is a wood, so uh, we had the space to walk, uh, and uh, so it was not so bad, uh, like uh, having the lockdown into the city. We were lucky.
0: Sounds very good indeed. I wanted to start with uh, racing in Italy. We have one race confirmed. We have two races, very likely. We could even have three. What a season this could be for Italian motorsport, Davide. I hope
3: glorious. Eh? After after the winter test, Ferrari was not very competitive. I was a bit worried, but now seems that the story is getting better. About the racing... I'm very positive about uh, having a second racing weekend in Italy. I'm just a bit worried about the circuit, because uh, if they are going to choose uh, Imola, that uh, uh, as the name of uh, Ferrari because Enzo Edino Ferrari is the name of the truck, uh, we are fine. If they are going to choose um, Mugello, that is owned by Ferrari, and so Ferrari is pushing to have the race, to have a Formula One there, for the driver is a bit strange, a bit risky because uh, the the physical side in the truck can be massive, and uh, with the net the driver can suffer a lot. A lot of fast corner, all fast corner, and they are going to to, to destroy their body. Davide, that's a fantastic
1: thing, isn't it? Sounds Mugello sounds such a tra- a challenging race track.
3: To be honest, I, I race there in the lower category. They used to race a lot in Mugello not very simple to overtake. Uh, There's a big difference between a motorbike or motorcycle. They have very good and fun race. And uh, racing car there, they're serving a bit more. But it's amazing to drive, believe me. And on the physical side, it's going to be very, very massive eh, the effort that you need. Once Petrov test there, when he was racing in Formula One, after a morning of session, after the morning session he said impossible to keep going, too hard for my body. <laughs> and Petrov was, was like uh, a giant, eh? <laughs>
1: Get back in the gym. <laughs> but I guess, Davide, would Ferrari have a bit of an advantage at Mugello?
3: Probably yes, but they are not running so much, right? <laughs> My dog, sorry. (laughs) They're not running so much there because they use every time a Fiorano to have uh, the Ferrari test. So Ducati is using the truck a lot. Ferrari, not so often. So in theory, a little advantage, but not so big, I think.
1: Well, while we're talking Ferrari, can we throw it forward to next year? Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz. Do you think that driver pairing was the right way to go for them?
3: Yeah, because my, my personal thinking is they are going to suffer a lot this year with the drivers management eh? already last year they suffered a bit uh, three times uh, uh, they had some battle between the driver monza uh, and then um, brazil when they when they, they crashed each other both out and then the last race in um, in abu dhabi a bit softer but uh, vettel uh, did uh, not fantastic move in quali to to Leclerc, so the opposite that he received in Monza. Anyway, they are going to suffer this year, but they are going to be fine next season because my personal thinking is that uh, the cool signs, they are going to give him uh, the chance of his life, no, becoming one of the main uh, Spanish sportsmen in the world. But they are going to to be like uh, the shoulder of uh, Leclerc. This is my thinking, eh, to be honest, because Ferrari, Choose Leclerc with a five years new contract is one of the longest of the Formula One history, and uh, seems that is going to be the new the new Schumacher for them. So you think they'll miss the experience of Sebastian Vettel? I don't know. It's not easy to say because sometimes we say McLaren in 2019 ah is going to suffer because uh, they, they are going to miss the experience of Fernando Alonso. 2019 was one of the best uh, seasons of McLaren in the last few years. so um, it's not every time through this story. I think that already this year Leclerc has shown that uh, it can be at the same level or maybe even better than Sebastian. and now is uh, Leclerc time and they choose uh, Ferrari choose this way, choose to, to say we are going to win the championship with Leclerc in the future. Uh, we propose him a renewal of contract of five years for the next five season, And so we believe in him in 100%. That is the Ferrari thinking at the moment.
1: Good point about the experience. But what does the Italian public make of Ferrari at the minute? Because it's been, what, a decade since they last won the World Championship. Do they still have the support of a nation?
3: And they are a bit worried also for this season, eh? because after the winter test and the word from the driver and Binotto, in Italy, they were a bit scared that also this year uh, they are not going to win anything. Eh? So it's not a very easy condition also, because uh, you guys, you know very well, no? Every time after three years in Ferrari, they change the team principle. <laughs> 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 or no, uh, they keep changing. So they, they, give, they give to them uh, three years of, uh, of time. And then if they're not winning the championship, Come on, out. So it's not an easy condition because they don't have so much time and, uh, you know, they change the driver, they change the the team uh, and it's not easy sometimes to win in this way. But now, only one point is sure. Charles Leclerc is the new hero. So is that for the public? Is that for the guys, uh, for the fans that uh, uh, come in Monza, the viewers on TV? I mean, is the new Italian hero for Ferrari? So what is sure? is that uh, for science it will be not easy at all because, uh, you know, Ferrari believes 100% in Leclerc and if there is a new world champion in Ferrari, it will be just Leclerc.
0: I wanted to ask you, Davide, about Antonio Giovinazzi. Passed over for promotion, do you think he needs to beat Kimi Raikkonen this year in order to stay in F1 when there are so many Ferrari juniors knocking on the door in F2?
3: Yeah, Good point, because I'm uh, a bit worried for Giovinazzi, to be honest. Yeah. Also because I know him very well and uh, I spoke with him uh, in the last few days uh, with him and Leclerc. And they told me that uh, if they are going to race in, uh, in uh, Mugello, will be extremely hard for the body. So they, are, they, they, they push a little bit for other circuits, to be honest, for Imola. <laughs> anyway, Giovinazzi, the problem that has Giovinazzi is that, uh, you're right, there is Mick Schumacher in the lower category. The new racing star, um, Schwarzman. So, they are all under Ferrari Academy. And, you know, Schumacher has the name. Schwarzman has the talent. So, in one or two years, they are ready for Formula 1. And Ferrari needs to to, to find a space for them. And so, consider that uh, Giovinazzi was very disappointed when um, they signed science and they gave the announcement of science it was very disappointing because... He felt himself to have lost a big chance. I think that if he's not going to beat well Raikkonen this season, he's going to be out. So he has the future in his hands, but he needs to deliver the result and no story, you know. And it's not an easy condition sometimes for a racing driver. Result or you are out usually is a pressure that is not so easy to handle.
0: Just finally, David, I wanted to ask. You, it feels a bit weird asking you an F two question whilst not being in a commentary box, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, there are so many drivers this year who could mount a title challenge. Who do you think looks good, and do you think it's going to be between that Ferrari pair of Schumacher and Schwartzman? We
3: have uh, Schumacher with a bit more of experience. Tell me the name, Zoo.
0: Yeah, Joe. He goes by. He goes by Joe. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Joe. That they like him so much because he's also very funny, guys that already last year, he was, he was very good. Eh? Beside uh, Giotto, he beats yeah. him so many times. Eh? So, uh, Joe, we, he can be one of the, uh, of the top driver. We have Schumacher that, that he needs to, to stay in the top three to, to, to achieve Formula One. We have a Schwarzman. And another one very talented is Armstrong. So, a group of drivers that can fight for the victory, but my favorite one, Oscar Piastri. And I don't, and I'm not even knowing, man, you know, I don't know, but uh, I like.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Giving us, giving us tips for Formula 3, for Formula 2, for Formula 1, the man who knows it all. Excellent stuff, Davide. Brilliant to speak to you and and congratulations again on the baby news because that is fantastic.
3: See you in the track soon and uh, hope uh, you guys are fine.
1: What a guy, AJ. I love listening to him. I love listening to him in a commentary box when he's on the rev limiter, but also when he's being thoughtful like that. He is really fascinating. And I think we got our answer there as to why Daniel Ricciardo signed for McLaren and not Ferrari. Because the message in Italy, isn't it, according to Davide, is that Ferrari is now a one car team. It is based around Charles
0: Leclerc. Yeah, they've put all their eggs in the Leclerc basket. And that's a really good point about Davide as well. He might be loud and enthusiastic. And by the way, it's not faked. It's, it's always passionate. He always loves a, a commentary box setting as well. But he's a great pundit. Doesn't shy away from the fact that Antonio Giovinazzi's got a, to got a step up. But overall, uh, what I love most about that was him revealing to us that the drivers are a little bit apprehensive about Magello. Come on, guys. I, I get the feeling that the slightly old school drivers, they would relish an opportunity to get out there and prove that they're the best at a real driver's circuit. Maybe some of the younger ones are like, oh, this is going to sting a bit in the morning.
1: Well, my feeling when he was telling that story about Vitaly Petrov having to stop at lunchtime, my feeling was not one of sympathy, but one of <laughs> just get back in the gym Get back in the son. car. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I imagine the team said a very similar thing.
1: It's now time to delve into the virtual mailbag. We asked you for your comments last week, and my goodness, you didn't disappoint. And so to help us do this, let's bring in our virtual mailbag correspondent. I hope that's what we call you now, Rosanna Tennant.
4: That's what's on my email signature at the moment. You're right. We've got some
1: lovely comments. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Very good. Well, Rosanna, let's crack on. And I think because you're just arriving on the show, you go first.
4: So Fabio's been in touch saying hi, F1. Is an Algarve Grand Prix in Portugal really a possibility? I'm Portuguese and that would be a dream come true, please. What do you reckon, guys?
1: I reckon there's a a serious chance of that happening, actually, because we're going to have a couple more European races after the scheduled Monza race uh, at the beginning of September. And I think for... That circuit to have come out and said we're in serious negotiations, I think is almost confirmation. But I obviously that is not an official comment from Formula One. But I think they wouldn't have said that if they weren't very confident.
0: I think it'd be great to see as well. There's so much enthusiasm in the national press in Portugal to see a return to Formula One. They haven't been there for, I think, since 1996. So it'd be great to see that country back on the Formula One calendar. I think it's a cracking circuit as well.
1: But there's a big bump coming onto the start-finish straight. So
0: that'll sort the men from the boys so on a similar theme sam asked which tracks would you like to see join the calendar so we've had quite a few linked given the strange season that formula one finds itself in are there any venues that have maybe dropped off the calendar or anywhere that we would like to see return i'll go first with the nice and easy istanbul a mega circuit Uh, i would love to see a modern formula one car tackle turn eight
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll go for Mugello. Never been on the Formula One calendar, but as Mark Webber told us last week on the show, just to see a modern Formula One car going through the back section there, which is just so fast, would be something else.
4: For me, I'm going to have to go for Imola. I went there a couple of years ago to watch Aldo Costa take on uh, the track in a Formula One car, first ever time for him. Uh, So I'd like to see all the Formula One cars there in Imola rather than just
1: one doing laps. Great. Ragav has been in touch saying Seb is running out of options. And that's in reference to what Otmar Safnau, team principal of Racing Point, told us last week. Well, it seems Racing Point isn't an option for him, Ragav. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think Seb is staring down the barrel of a sabbatical.
4: I had a dream about Seb last night. Am I allowed hold to say? Hold, oh, on. hold on, what?
1: Hold on. Hold on. Do you know what kind of show this
0: is?
4: It's one of those things that's just come to my mind when you said Seb. And he was in the back of a bus that was a tour bus on holiday. And we were hiking somewhere and this bus drove past me. And in the back was Seb Vettel. Maybe that's a sign. Maybe he's going on like a little gap there.
0: Yeah, he's going, on, uh, he's going on a backpacking tour in 2021. <laughs> Do you know what? I can so picture him doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, welcome to my world. <laughs> Uh, Rob asked me uh, via Instagram, what would the national anthem be for F1 Nation? There's surely only one option. Guys, this is an actual problem, isn't it? This is an actual thing that F1 has to think about because on the calendar this year, we have a 70th anniversary Grand Prix. It's being held at Silverstone. Do they play the theme tune? Do they play the champagne music? Do they play the British National Anthem? What are they going to go for? None of the above, AJ. It has to be The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Oh,
2: (laughs) it's brilliant. It's a brilliant idea.
4: Imagine that playing out. Oh, that would be fantastic. Phil sent us a message saying, another quality pod from you and the F1 Nation team. Tom, I can never get enough of listening to James Allison. He's so cast from the same mold as Ross Braun, both super intelligent and incredibly passionate about their craft. Wow, James Allison, there's a brain there.
1: Yeah, but not only a brain, Rosanna, I think there's just a leadership quality there. You know, when Toto decides to, what do you do if you're a team principal? Hang up your whatever it is, not your helmet. But when Toto moves on, I cannot think of a better person to lead Mercedes forward than James Allison. Um, He's such an inspirational character, so on top of everything that's going on in Formula 1 and not just technical. So... Phil, I'm with you every step there. Sensational man, sensational character.
4: I was doing a bit of filming with James last week, and he bounded into the room that we were set up for. And he just had such excitement and enthusiasm just kind of oozing out of him. He was so excited to go racing again. And also, he just speaks so eloquently about the sport he loves. He's a joy to listen to, I have to say.
1: And Sharath has been in touch saying listening to how esports has caught attention during these lockdown days have been truly insightful. Also, the fact that the drivers now have shown more of their personal lives has definitely taken the sport of F1 in a different and refreshing way direction Uh, I completely agree Sharath how about you guys
4: definitely TC we have seen such a great side to these F1 drivers I think sides that already existed but because of the busy lives they lead and the way that Formula One is now it's a bit more uh, corporate we don't necessarily get to see these guys just being young racing drivers and so it's been lovely having a little window into their world And seeing some of their family members, their girlfriends, their wives. um, It's been really good fun, hasn't it, AJ?
0: It puts to bed this myth that we don't have interesting personalities in Formula One anymore. I think it's what you said. We haven't always had a chance to see that. And hopefully we continue to see these characters In that relaxed setting, you know, being themselves, not having to remember a sponsor's name and and saying what they actually think. Long may that continue as we go forward for Formula One this year. Let's have another comment in the mailbag. Poppy's dad says, my nine-year-old Lando Norris superfan Joe and I love listening, which has helped keep us sane during lockdown each week. Keep up the good work. Well, it's great to have you listening. And it was uh, great to hear from Lando Norris, who has been, of course, one of the stars of the lockdown from a esports racing point of view.
4: We've had another comment in from Seals saying, "I've really enjoyed the Mark Weber segment. Always super honest and realistic. Great guy. I loved oh. his tennis balls comment.
1: Yeah, he's just got that." Australian turn of phrase, hasn't he? But he's also um, super authoritative as well. I, I would put it out there that he's one of the best pundits on Formula One that there's ever been.
0: Yeah, you very rarely disagree with Mark Webber. And I don't disagree with this final comment, which comes from Will, who says it was hilarious to hear TC throwing his dolls out the pram. Cannot wait for more. Thanks, team. Well, don't. I think... Dolls, AJ. Dolls, toys, (laughs) dignity, you choose what went wrong. And if you didn't listen to that episode, please go back and hear TC not enjoying the fact that uh, I rigged a quiz so Rosanna won.
4: I can test that
1: statement. (laughs) Beating fair and
0: square, I heard.
1: That's exactly what I know. But stay with us on this episode, folks, if you want to hear AJ and Rosanna throwing their dolls out of their prams, because... I have come up with a quiz and I am going to be the question master. And I cannot wait, (laughs) cannot wait, Alex. I cannot wait to hear you answer these really simple questions. Now, uh, I'm marking you. I'm marking you as we go along. This is Challenge Rosanna. This is Challenge Rosanna and it's the TC F1 pub quiz. It's a quick-fire quiz, and I'm going to start with
0: Alex. I'm ready. I'm not prepared. Uh, And the evil grin on your face, I do not think, bodes well for me.
1: Alex, it's the Austrian Grand Prix coming up. So a nice, easy one to start with. Who won the 1971 Austrian (laughs)
0: Austrian Grand Prix? (laughs) Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Um, The 1971 Austrian Grand Prix was won by... Emerson
1: Fittipaldi. Incorrect. It was Joseph. Rosanna, who won the 2019 Austrian Grand Prix? (laughs) Oh, nonsense. (laughs) Who raced for Lancia in the 1955 F1 season?
4: I love this quiz, TC. Love it. Uh, Lancia,
0: 1955. Um, I'm going to go for...
3: I'm gonna
4: have to
0: hurry you now. <laughs> I am going to have to hurry you. I'm going to go for. Oh man, this is this is this is a disgrace. Uh, I'm gonna go for Farina, Giuseppe Farina. Incorrect. Ascari, Villaresi,
1: and Castellotti. <sighs> How many German F1 drivers are there on the grid in 2020? One. Correct. Sebastian Vettel. It's 2-0 to Rosanna. Third question. What's Alex. The, sorry,
0: sorry, what's the score? You were laughing so hard TC, you couldn't tell us the score. <laughs> what's the score? <laughs> Just repeat it for everyone.
1: We've had two questions and it is 2-0 to Rosanna. Question 3. Which team has won the most German Grand Prix and what's the total?
0: Uh pff, McLaren, 16. 16 wins. It's Ferrari and
1: 22. You're yet to score a point Alex. Back to you Rosanna. <laughs> Name the technical director of Racing Point.
4: Andrew Green.
1: Correct. Alex, back to you. Question four. How many points did Stefan Johansson score during the 1988 F1 season? Stefan Johansson
0: scored 28 points. He scored zero that year.
1: The Ligier Ligier JS31 was a bad car. Rosanna, question four. Not as bad as this quiz. Zero points sounds familiar, doesn't it? Rosanna, how many podiums has Checo Perez scored?
0: Is it three? Can I steal? I want to steal. I need a point.
1: Sorry, Rosanna, I misheard you there. Was that your final answer? Four. What? Tell me when it's your final answer, Rosanna.
4: Let's give Jakesy a point for that one. What would you like to say, Jakesy? I'd like to say no,
1: eight. It, no, 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 no. Eight I am the point. Master. There is no point play, for Alex because that question wasn't for him. What are Jensen Button's middle names? John... And Martin. Jensen, Alexander, Lyons Butter. So, AJ, you have a grand total of zero. This is fantastic. Rosanna, (laughs) your final question. What is Lewis Hamilton's middle name?
4: Carl Davidson.
1: Absolutely spot on, Rosanna. You have got a total of four. Alex has a total of zero. This has panned out exactly as I was hoping.
0: (laughs) You know, I didn't want to announce this at this point, but Tom, we're really going to miss you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I enjoyed setting the questions, actually, I must say.
0: I haven't seen Tom this happy throughout all of lockdown. I think I deserved that for what I uh, for what I did the other week.
4: Well, I love that, and I'm just off to polish my F1 pub quiz crown.
0: <laughs> and if you're a fan of a fair quiz, you can always play along on the F1 channels every Tuesday with Will Buxton setting the questions for Grill the grandstand and you might have more of a chance than i just had with tc there oh that was great i do love being
1: the quiz master well folks i hope you've enjoyed the show and we'd love it if you would subscribe to f1 nation and hell why don't you just leave us a
0: review we love reading those too. our thanks to daniel ricardo to davide Valsecchi, and to rosanna tenant no thanks going in the direction of tom clarkson but for now thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week on f1 nation